Welcome to the Mojo Mecca. We are a media, wellness and artistry hub that is in celebration of the earth, inspired to live in a mindful, healthful way, humbled by the depths of inner exploration and the power of practicing daily rituals, in love with the beauty of cultures worldwide and the adventurous nature of travel, and dedicated to a life of heart-centeredness, purposeful pursuits, and a whole lot of mojo. Welcome back to another podcast. I almost don't want to say too much at the beginning of this podcast because I would really love to just lead straight into this beautiful, potent, expansive conversation that I had. And I actually just recorded this this morning. So (laughs) I was very excited to just get it out there because I really, really enjoyed this deep dive and um, yeah, wanted to just share it (laughs) as soon as I could. Um, So this conversation is with a really beautiful woman by the name of Vanessa Rodriguez. She explains herself really beautifully and articulate um articulately is that the word (laughs) I'm not very articulate (laughs) um uh, in the beginning of this podcast so I will allow her to do that but she's a functional nutritionist an Akashic soul record reader and an intuitive nourishment guide she's also the host of a beautiful podcast called feed your wild And her and I did a podcast swap. So next week you can see the episode that uh, she recorded with me where we dove into a a few things about me and Mojo Mecca and all of that. So it was a really, really beautiful conversation. And as I said, I don't want to reveal too much because I'd love for you to just experience the flow of it. But some particular topics that we cover through this episode include the Akashic Records and she really decodes those and allows us to recognize the origin of them and what they are and what they're here to teach us and how she particularly works with them in her practice and how she also marries them with her role as uh, a nutritionist. And it's really beautiful to see how she bridges those two modalities together and and the link that she makes between our physical healing and our healing on a soul level or on on the level that is non-linear or not connected to anything of this particular physical lifetime. So a lot of our conversation is into that marriage between you know, what maybe our minds tell us we need to heal and what timeline we would like to heal particular things on. And also from a broader perspective, um, what we are really here to learn and integrate on a soul level and as related to particular past lives and past life patterns and also our own ancestry and ancestral lineage. So it's really juicy in that regard about, um, yeah, that marriage between those different realms and yeah there's so much more but I am just going to stop it here and allow you to experience it and journey with this conversation yourself because I think that that's how I want to um, guide this one in because it's very potent and I know that you'll receive whatever you need from it so enjoy
Well, I'll start off by introducing myself. I'm Vanessa Rodriguez. I am a functional nutritionist and intuitive nourishment guide and Akashic Record Reader. So I combine the science and spirituality of food and all things that nourish the most innate wildest aspects of our being and so we can really flourish and live this life to the fullest and in integrity with how we want to live and and who it is that we want to be um, on this earth walk in this lifetime <laughs> and so my path to that uh has been quite interesting um but really sort of, I guess if I look back to where the first seeds were planted and looking at my, my heritage and, you know, and how I grew up, it really started with questions. I was always asking questions and, um, and even looking back spiritually as a little kid um, and navigating the realms of Catholicism, which my, my family, originally from Puerto Rico, um, moved to Chicago. I was born and raised in the inner city of Chicago. And uh, my upbringing um, was really within the Catholic tradition in terms of our religion, the religion we practiced. My grandparents, um, particularly my grandmother's very Catholic, you know, sort of kind of like this, um, this picture of the quintessential Latina grandmother um, who while she's incredibly Catholic, she's also weaving in a lot of witchy stuff that she wouldn't call witchy <laughs> um, just because of how really all of the, like the religions um, that manifested in the Caribbean were so um, complexly woven with uh, the in, the ancestral traditions of the peoples that were there, right? So um, looking at the indigenous peoples, the Taino in Puerto Rico, um, so the natives that were there prior to the settlers coming. And then you had the um, Iberian population, the Spaniards, you know, sort of the, the Southern European that came in as the settlers. And then, of course, the African slaves that came over. And then there was a lot of cross-cultural um, communication and also other slave trades like with um, with Mexico and Guatemala. And so there's just a big mix of people and ancestral traditions and foods and spiritual beliefs that um, eventually amalgamated into you know, sort of this predominant Catholic um, religion that it is now. And so it's interesting because growing up with that, you know, we were raised to go to church, but then like my grandmothers would have altars and would um, pray to certain saints and would, you know, they wouldn't call it casting spells, but they had healing spells essentially using prayer and, and so, and using plants as medicine. And doing um, baths like herbal baths and flower baths for energetic healing, and and so the, it was an interesting mix of uh, spiritual traditions that were packaged up in in what was called Catholicism in my family. 
So I always asked questions about that and like, why were we doing this? And, you know, why did I have to go through communion and get confirmed and, and um, promise that I would commit myself to this God that I didn't quite understand and, and nobody had answers for me, or at least the answers that they had were not satisfying. So I think that that really led me to stay in this place of curiosity and wanting to learn more. Um, and how that sort of wove into the healing arts and, and how I got into the healing arts and sort of the world of nutrition was later on in my life um, when my mom got diagnosed with breast cancer. And she was the first in our family to have breast cancer. And now knowing what I know as a health practitioner, that's the majority of cases actually of breast cancer is that there is no family history. But I didn't know that. I didn't understand it. So this, you know, this person who was very curious and had a lot of questions and sort of research minded, I went into the, well, this is way back in like 2000 and. 2003. So um, the internet wasn't quite what it is today. Like I couldn't just, there was no Google, I don't think, or maybe it was at its very beginning. And, and so you couldn't just like Google questions about alternative healing methods for cancer um, or why was this happening. It was very difficult to find what I feel like is very prevalent and accessible today in terms of information. So I kind of found myself going down this rabbit hole of like health forums and all this, this underworld of alternative healing methods. And that was my first taste of alternative medicine. And all the while, my mom getting uh, regular traditional conventional treatment for cancer and, um, and me sort of as like her health coach without understanding really that I was even being a health coach to her going through this process with her and really discovering how the health paradigm, the medical system was actually not set up to help her heal holistically. They were not seeing her as a person, as a human being. They were seeing her as um, a disease that needed to be cured. And so we would go down this checklist of things that needed to be done or tests or, um, you know, experimental drugs that she could try out. And it was a really daunting and difficult and challenging time. I know many people now have experience not just with cancer journeys, but just with chronic illness in general. Um, it's just so overwhelming and really, really taxing on all levels. So that really got me interested in what it would look like to to support someone in a way that was holistic. What does it mean to be an advocate for somebody who's going through this? Um, and also really looking at my fate. I genetically, I was very similar to my mom. Uh, we look very similar and I had a lot of the same health issues that she had had for basically her entire life. I had uh, asthma, chronic acid reflux. I had terrible acne. I was anemic, chronically anemic. I had tons of fatigue. I had insomnia. I had all of these different health issues that were seemingly unrelated, or at least I didn't understand how they 
connected. And my mom also shared them. And so here I was looking at my mom who now had breast cancer, who's going through this. And I was thinking, I do not want to go down this road. Um, I know that I can change this. I believed that it was not my genetic fate. And so I really committed to understanding ways that I can help support myself so that I can help others and obviously help my mom. So that's kind of where my path really started. And as I got deeper into that work, um, I saw just how important it was to not separate that from this, from spirituality as well, and intuition and our connection to the divine and, and the you know, greater cosmos and cosmic intelligence and the innate intelligence within us. So, uh, of course, this was over like, you know, 15 years, right, of this journey and kind of putting all the puzzle pieces together. Um, but I guess where it really what really was the catalyst for what I do today is when my mom crossed over. She died in January of uh, 2010. And obviously that was uh, the most difficult time in my life. And um, it was one of those moments that was so surreal because you knew it was coming. She had journeyed with breast cancer for, uh, it was a little over six years. Um, and we actually had extended her life sentence. Her doctors told her she was going to die sooner, but a lot of the alternative methods that we incorporated actually extended her life and her quality of life. But um, going through that process and, and losing your mom and seeing all the ways that like you could have helped if only we knew about these things sooner. It led me down this path of really committing to a mission um, and that mission and a promise to not only my mom and myself, but um, really to, to this world and my life mission here on this earth is that I was going to do everything that I could to not only help support my own healing journey myself so that I didn't suffer from the same fate, but that I, I would help as many other people as I could um, so that they didn't have to live the stories of the dis-ease of their ancestors. And so that really, to bring it full circle, that's really brought me into looking at these lineages that we carry of disease, these stories, um, what's embedded in our genetics, what's embedded in our, um, in our hearts, and to use nourishment on all levels to begin to unravel that and transmute it so that we can really discover what is true health for ourselves and in our lives. So it's kind of a roundabout story, but <laughs> that's, that's really what has brought me here. Yeah, wow. Thank you for sharing that. It was, yeah, it's beautiful to kind of follow that that thread and um yeah, just dive deeper into your story and um it's very interesting cuz it it I find it happens for a lot of us. It's and it's, you know, maybe it's not the best way to learn, but we do tend to learn from those really um intense like uh 
pivotal like moments, um, you know, like, like death or like, um, disease or these sort of like, um, yeah, because they are like a rude wake up call in a way. And you, you're kind of not forced to, but you're really, there is a lot of change that needs to take place, like, and probably a decision that needs to come in of, you know, how you're going to live and move moving forward. And I know for a lot of people and yeah, in your story too, it's like a really positive um, catalyst to like ignite um, something maybe you've been feeling for a while, but you know, you, you kind of just are really, um, yeah, given that opportunity to like really lean into it and, I feel like definitely it would be your mom and, and her energy and her spirit, you know, like guiding you to really like open up and, and share that work more too. And um, yeah, so I'm sure you're like, yeah, you had that kind of energetic support with it too, from like the gifts of your mother's experience and um, yeah, then her spirit just like carrying you through in that next um, phase and opening um, of your life. Um, Oh, totally. (laughs) I would say too that um, like my, the passing of my mom, well, prior to that, I mean, I I was always very much into the esoteric world and, uh, you know, sort of intuition and and going to see psychics instead of therapists. Like that was my preference. Um, And I would say that after my mom had passed, some of the experiences that I had uh, with with connection with her um, after she had crossed over was also part of my process of this um, this deeper journey into my own intuition and really uncovering the the power that we all have innately you know this connection that we all have but that many of us, it needs to be activated. And as you had spoken to, unfortunately, a lot of times it's hardship, um, the, you know, resistance, friction, like we see that a lot in nature as well, obviously with birthing, you know, um, the birthing process, but that those moments in our lives, those events can really be that catalyst, and but that we have to take that opportunity, you know, because sometimes we can experience it, but yet we still don't choose to um, to go deeper within ourselves or to trust ourselves, to choose ourselves. So, um, but yeah, that I definitely had experience after she had passed, um, lots of you know, just like, you know, you hear these anecdotal uh, stories of people connecting with their loved ones after they had passed. And, and I was always curious, you know, if those were true. And, and I definitely had my fair share of experiences, which really got me to, it like woke me up to, oh yeah, that's right. Even though I had kind of on some level knew that, um, in the spiritual world, spiritually, like, there's a lot that's unseen that we are connected to. And, and it wasn't until my mom passed that I had actually experienced that in an embodied way. So that was definitely an important piece to, to navigating to the work that I'm doing today too. Yeah. Amazing. So at that point, um, yeah, after that point, did you decide to go into more formal study? Cause I know you, yeah, you do have, um, yeah, more formal study into um, nutrition and functional nutrition 
So how did that come about? Like where you decided to really dive into it um, and go into that? Um, what is it? Four or five years course? How, how long was the study for? Mm-hmm. <laughs> long <laughs> yeah so <laughs> lifelong yeah. no so uh it was interesting because yeah prior to that i was not in the health field at all i wasn't really working there i when my mom got sick i was in college and although i was always working so i was an actor for a very long time and performer, dancer since I was a kid. So that was always a part of my life. Um, I was doing that professionally as well. And then I got into like random jobs and careers. I was in real estate and marketing. Then I got into uh, the alternative finance world, which don't even ask me how I got into that because I had absolutely no interest. It was one of those things that fell, fell, falls into your lap and you just kind of go with the flow because I didn't know what I wanted to do. I remember when I was a kid and people would ask me and like the answer that I had was, you know, I think what I want to do doesn't exist yet or like I don't have an understanding of it so I can't tell you. Like I knew that much. Um, so I did have a sense of that whatever I was going to do in the future, um, I didn't quite have words for. So I was working in an office, you know, and, um, and yet on the side, really supporting my mom, doing the research. And so I decided, you know what, I do need some formal education around this. I was getting really excited about the understanding of the body and nutrition. So I went into health coaching school. I started there, uh, became a health coach, and decided that I really loved nutrition and I loved this thing called functional medicine and functional nutrition. Um, and so I decided I wanted to do I wanted to do more studies with that. So I enrolled in a program with Andrea Nakayama. Uh, so now it's called the Functional Nutrition Alliance. That was one of the first programs that I did, and that really dove deep and got me on this path. And eventually, I uh, decided to get some certifications uh, within the, the nutrition and functional nutrition realm. So I went back to school, and I, did, I got my master's in human nutrition and functional medicine. And so, yeah, that took that that program was three years. The other program, like the other program with Andrea, that one, I did a mentorship with her. So that really lasted a couple years. Um, and then there's like clinical work that's supervised, that's ongoing. So I did that after my master's. So it's like this continuous process. And of course, then also other programs, because I know that many listening, if you're like really interested in the work that you're doing, you, you want to continue learning and it's almost insatiable. Like I, I'm obsessed with a lot of this stuff. I almost have to stop myself from wanting to like get more programs because I just love learning. But I think that's when you know when you're on the right path is that you love learning more. You actually don't mind going to school for this or, or doing the research and, um, and committing to it. But yeah, so it's been a, a really long process. I've enjoyed it a lot. But um, yeah, and I would say that uh, along with the formal training, um, there was just the experiential training that I had, you know, working with people and working, experimenting in my own life, um, biohacking and such. So, yeah, it's been a pretty interesting ride. 
yeah I definitely resonate with that in terms of yeah if it is something that's like um really real for you I guess or like a big part of your mission then it's like it doesn't it's just you enter that timelessness I guess with it and um you can just right deeper and and it's not about um yeah like how many years it will take to get that <laughs> um whether it's a certification or whether it's a certain level of it or um understanding of it it just yeah it's just like all part of the the fun i guess um yeah so that's beautiful and then yeah so from that point did it kind of um open up after you completed that to kind of offer that for people or how i'm curious like how you kind of came to yeah came to offer that and and to understand like how you wanted to work with um yeah that qualification and those trainings that you'd done and how i guess you wanted to marry that together and um share that with with clients or um people mm -hmm. yeah yeah so all all the while um, during this process of like school and training, I was doing my own personal healing. Um, obviously, you know, from my mother's passing and the grieving work and sort of like the transformational work that comes with that, but also just on a like a health level with body, mind, spirit. And so I dove into more of the intuitive and esoteric arts related to that, but mostly on a personal level. So Akashic Records was a big part of that in training um, in Akashic Records. And so I was doing that for many years before I brought that on to like bridge it with my nutrition work. So I started off uh, health coaching and getting a sense of you know, how I could work with people and, and what did I really love about this work? And then as I um, got more understanding around nutrition and, and those certifications, I started to really focus in on nourishment and nutrition with a functional lens and, and also like bridging other traditions. Like Ayurveda, I love Ayurveda, so sort of weaving in those elements as well. And then I started to see as I was working with people, like I would get intuitive hits around things. I knew that there was a lot of stuff that were, you know, it was like in the deeper realms or energetically that things are happening that did not allow for the work that we were doing at the level of just nutrition and supplements and herbs to work. And so I decided, okay, I think it's time to start bridging in this intuitive work that I have been doing on a personal level for years and really start to bring it into my professional work. And that was also something that um, I realize now looking back, I don't know if, if you're into human design, uh, but I, I love it because it's, it's sort of this framework of understanding of how um, we can optimize our and like the our energies and how we operate in this world, and so my understanding of my human design, I'm a manifesting generator, um, is that I it's best when things are presented to me or I'm invited to do something, um, and that that's how I can understand my own path and my soul path is that the world around me is always inviting me into it. And I found that to be very true related to my 
uh, professional journey that people started asking me for things. Like people started asking me for the deeper intuitive level of healing, um, even though I wasn't really advertising that. So that's another like ping for people like to, you know, to help you on your journey. And if you feel like you're kind of stuck or you don't have a direction is what are people really coming to you for and asking you for? So I saw that as an invitation and a sign. I really needed to bring this in. And once I started to bridge those two worlds of nourishment, the the science and the spirituality, the rational mind and the intuitive mind, it was like everything changed. Everything changed. I saw so much more, um, not just even in terms of results, because I think we're a very results-oriented culture. Um, and I think it, it's a lot healing has a lot more to do with the self-discovery process than it does with outcomes and results. That's my personal belief. And so what I found was that weaving in um, Akashic Records in particular, but just the intuitive healing process with my nutrition work, it allowed people to go deeper in their healing journey in a way that they weren't able to before. And I believe that everybody can do this. You know, you don't have to use the records. You don't have to work with a a specific practitioner. But I think, um, you know, just having a guide to help assist you in tapping that into yourself, tapping that within yourself uh, can be really, really helpful. So that's what I started to do and how I began to practice that. And it's it's just sort of exploded ever since. And um, yeah, I'm so I'm really excited about where this is all going. <laughs> and, and I love, love, love this work. Yeah, I definitely resonate with what you said about um, just being aware of what people naturally will come to you for or like how, yeah. And I actually really, I, I can't remember my human design exactly, but when you said about the manifesting generator, I feel like I am also that because I remember someone saying mm-hmm. the similar thing to me that, um, it, yeah, you need to wait for opportunities to just naturally present themselves to you and then you can really lean into them and, and mm-hmm. offer them. So I feel like we're actually similar in that way. I need to look into it again. So, um, yeah, cause human design is very fascinating for me too. But, um, yeah, it's, I, I definitely agree with you in that sense. Um, and have definitely experienced that too, of what people naturally start asking you for, or they, maybe they think you already offer that or something and you're like, Oh no, I don't. But, uh, yeah, I can, I can, I can work with that. Like I can, I can lean into that more. Um, yeah. Cause I feel like so many, like people can see things in you that you can't necessarily see in yourself because we often carry these blocks and and so you are projecting like you're holding this energy this energetic vibration and people can tune into that so trusting when people come to you for certain things that you know it, it in the very least it's telling you something about yourself and i think that's really important to acknowledge mhm yeah definitely um so I am really, really curious about the Akashic Records and I would really love for you to share, um, yeah, how they came into your world and, um, 
yeah, maybe even your first experience with um, diving into them and um, also probably for people who aren't even, you know, have maybe just only heard <laughs> that, that phrase before and aren't really sure what, what they are and what they're all about and what they're here to teach us or how we can connect to them. Um, yeah, maybe just a little intro into Akashic Records and, and then your, your personal like journey with them and then how you weave them with, with the functional nutrition, you know, there's a lot, but maybe just start with, um, yeah, introducing them to people who maybe haven't um, heard of that, that phrase before. Yeah, totally. So the Akashic Records are considered this vast energetic database that holds the vibration, uh, the vibrational imprints of your soul, your soul's history, your purpose in this life. Um, and it really is part of what is now seen as this unified universal field of energy um, and it's interesting to see now kind of the, the scientific discoveries that are happening in the, like the quantum world, uh, quantum physics and quantum mechanics that give sort of more science-based understanding of what is Akasha. Um, and the Sanskrit meaning of Akasha is cosmic sky. So it refers not only to space and higher realms or higher spheres, um, but it also really speaks to this this weave, this web of life, this interconnection um, of life and existence on an energetic level. The uh, Hindus, for example, saw Akasha as the cosmic source of all the elements, fire, air, water, earth. Um, and it's said to conserve the traces of everything that has ever happened in space-time. So we could see the Akashic records as sort of like this enduring memory of the cosmos, um, which I, I love to think about it in that way. It, metaphorically, we can think about it as like the Google or iCloud, um, and that we it's this storage house, this database that's holding all this information of every thought, word, deed that we've ever had, and that we can tap into that, that vast energetic database to um, answer certain questions in um, a lot of uh, traditions that speak about the Akashic Records, they might call it like the Book of Life, but I like to see it as sort of this um, creative, ever-evolving, choose-your-own-adventure kind of Book of Life, <laughs> because nothing is uh, set in stone. As you live your life, your book is also being written. And, um, and so imagine that you can sort of type into Google or access the iCloud and ask a question about your soul path or um, wisdom that might help support you in, in a challenge that you're experiencing. And then you'll receive insight because you're tapping into the energy that holds sort of the pattern of what is going on for you. Um, and we see that there's like in over the years, there's been a lot of different people that have accessed the Akashic Records. Uh, Nikola Tesla, so the famous scientist, um, Rudolf Steiner, who is, um, for those who are not familiar, also the founder of biodynamics. Um, 
but he accessed the Akashic Records, Alice Bailey, William Lilly. Um, there's a lot of other like psychics, intuitives that are pretty famous that have um, access to the Akashic Records. And Edgar Casey is probably one of the most uh, popular, the documented prophet of the 20th century. So there's lots of uh, little pieces of history that kind of point to using the Akashic Records to access this kind of information. And um, I first came to the records. I didn't even know what they were. Um, and I went to a psychic because, a psychic intuitive, because I, it was in my healing process and my grieving process after my mom had passed away. And I, like, that was part of my therapy. <laughs> and so I would go to this intuitive healer, and um, he was also an Akashic record reader. I didn't quite understand what that was at the time, but I read about it. Um, and I thought, you know what, this is really interesting. And I feel like, yeah, you know, there's just like this this voice inside of me that said, go see him, go to him specifically for this session. And so I went to him and in that reading, he told me that I was to come to know the Akashic records in the way that he knew them, that they were going to come into my life and that I was going to build a relationship with them and that I would understand what that means later on. So, of course, I was like, yeah, yeah, this guy probably tells everybody that, <laughs> you know, and, um, and I just kind of carried, carried on with my life. Well, later that week, I had received an email from a woman who I signed up for email list. Uh, I followed her because she was the psychotherapist that my mom actually was seeing at the end of her life. And I really appreciated her. I didn't know her, but I appreciated her because it was clear how much she was helping my mom. Um, and, you know, end of life therapy is so, so important in my eyes, like to really help us come to terms with death and in that process. And so her name is Susan Lipschitz and her website is everydaymedicinewoman.com. And I signed up for her newsletter. Well, lo and behold, I get an email that very same week that she was uh, going to lead a training in Akashic Records and learning to read the Akashic Records. And I, when I got that email, it was like my entire body lit up and I knew I had to sign up. So I contacted her. I signed up for the training and then I worked with her for um, three or four years after that, working with the records, learning how to read them, um, beginning to to work with others, and we were working together on a regular basis, and um, it was just a really beautiful unfolding of what uh, this prior psychic had told me, and um, and it changed my life. So I. I began using it on a personal level, really to inquire, to ask questions, and it supported me in, in trusting my own intuition, in boosting my intuition, because I think with any intuitive practice, like the more you commit to it as a regular practice, um, the, the deeper you go with it and the more it enhances your intuition. And that was true for the Akashic Records in my own experience. And, and so then I started reading for others and and that's how, how it all got started. Yeah, it definitely really intrigues me. I'd love to hear, um, I mean, as much as you feel to share, but um, what the 
processes for you um, in, you know, forming that connection and, and maybe even like how, how it appears to you when you see those, that information or um, that space or that realm or however you, it, it comes to you. Um, yeah, you don't need to share, you know, any sort of intimate details, but um, maybe just even generally like how, how you personally connect to that space and um, form that, that kind of thread and, and are able to like bring down messages for other people. Like what's your unique connection to that source or space or records? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting because over, I would say like over the past six years, it really has evolved. And I think that's true for any, um, for any practice that, you know, one has that, if you do it over time, it really evolves with you. And I found that to be true about the Akashic Records, my experience with it, and also my intuition. And so at the beginning, it was, it was kind of hard, you know, like, because it's, you, you really have to set aside your ego thinking mind and be open to allow information to come through without a lot of bias. And that's really difficult if you're not in a certain state in your life or if you are just um, energetically not able to hold that kind of space, especially when you're working with others. So um, it took quite a while for me to really trust what was coming through. And the way that I uh, information comes through for me, um, especially through the Akashic Records, is through clairvoyance. So I will see things in my mind's eye. I see stories and pictures and metaphors, and um, there's a lot of symbolism. So the way that information comes to me is very big picture, mythic, uh, and metaphoric. And I think that... Um, I love that it comes through in that way. I don't get a ton of very like just linear practical information, but I think that's because I'm very good at doing that outside of the records, you know, um, in my sort of nutrition work and functional medicine work. And uh, that when we can tap into more of the, the mythos and the symbols, we can get so much more out of it in terms of meaning and understanding than we could if it were given to us in sort of a linear practical way. So I see it clairvoyantly in that way. Um, and then as, began, as I began to really work regularly with the records, I saw that other clairs began, began to open up for me that, I, that weren't sort of my primary modes of, um, of clairs. And clairs is just meaning, you know, all the different ways that we can receive information psychically or intuitively. And so that began to evolve and I started to hear things during readings. Um, so kind of like in my inner ear. Uh, and sometimes I actually hear it, hear it. But that's not, that's not very common for me. And also um, feeling. So feeling emotions, uh, feeling states kind of flow through me of what maybe the person who I'm reading, what they have experienced, or if something is coming through around that, that's important. Um, so I'll also feel certain things in various parts of my bodies or chakras. And, um, and usually that, you know, is obviously specific to the person I'm reading or for myself. And yeah, and then others are just kind of knowing, like you'll, I'll just literally, it'll be kind of like channeling where 
I'm saying something and it's not coming from me per se, uh, but it's just a knowing that I have that is not from some sort of cognitive process. And yeah, and I think the most important thing that I found in this process to allow these different clairs to open up was to just commit to being open and commit to setting aside the ego mind while this process is happening, you know, Um, because in the beginning we can do a lot of assessment or assessing or judging of the information that's coming through. And I have found that that can really um, put a hold on on this process so that kind of like it it stuffs the funnel so that information has a harder time to come through so uh yeah but those are the different ways that i i sort of experience information and then what i found was that this connection this bridge that i was building over years of working with the akashic records i'm now really able to experience and receive information just as easily outside of the records so when I'm reading, I open up one's records or my own records through a sacred prayer process, and then I close them. But um, what I have found, especially within my own life, is that I can that now receive information um, even outside of the records, but obviously with permission of the person <laughs> if, if they're there. It's always um, with their permission and establishing that safe container. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) So beautiful. Mm -hmm. So yeah, what I'm hearing is that these, this Akashic record space is, yeah, like you say, just kind of a a database or like a a realm of, of information beyond this, this physical um, experience that we're having that is a lot more timeless and expansive and um, connected to, do you see it connected to, like people's particular like past lives also, or is it, um, yeah. How have you found it to, I guess maybe it would, it would appear differently for different people, I guess, depending on what they need to hear at that particular point in their journey too. But, um, does it also weave in, um, like particular past lives that might be, um, I don't know, relevant for, for people in this life too, you know, certain messages or patterns or something that they're here to learn or, um, or even, um, ancestral like lineages or, um, yeah. Is it, is it different for every person? Yes. All of the above. (laughs) You are correct in that the Akashic records are beyond space time. So, you know, we are living in a construct of space time and Akashic records exist beyond that. So, this concept, it's interesting because this concept of past lives really only pertains to our linear time space existence. But when you go beyond that, um, really we're looking at interdimensional also like that what I have experienced is that there's multiple lives happening at the same time. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to have words for an experience that we can't have 
as human beings, right? Like sort of beyond the space-time continuum. Uh, so, but yes, so speaking to past lives, whatever we want to call it or however we want to understand, they are still imprints of our soul's journey. Um, it's the same soul that is navigating through different life experiences, whether they're happening, you know, in, in the past or the future or interdimensionally. And so what I have found with Akashic Records is that What's most beneficial is inquiring about the specific life experiences that you've had that hold um, wisdom or information that pertains to your current life experience. Because that's really the point, right? The point is to be, we're embodied beings and that uh, we have this life to focus on. So what what are the challenges? What are the blocks? What are the patterns that maybe we have are still holding from these other life experiences? And what do we need to know about that that can help us to move through them? Uh, I also see that related to the ancestral realms and ancestral lineages. And as embodied physical beings, we also hold the genetic imprint and sort of energetic patterns that go that that. Um, basically are inherited through the different generations. So that's very much an experience that we have, and that's information that's also held within the records. And that's actually something that comes through a lot for me with clients when I'm reading, especially around um, a pattern or an issue, like a health challenge that's stuck, or maybe they see this in, in their family lineage. So you could say it's, quote, inherited. But really, there's an energetic pattern, and there's always information available that's beyond just the gene realm and paradigm that can help illuminate somebody on their healing journey. And, um, and usually, when you know, when that comes to light and this information comes through, the person is like, that makes so much sense. Like, and there's always an element of understanding on a very deep level that kind of bypasses this, you know, the, the waking cognitive mind. Um, and so what I have seen working with the records is that we all are tapped into this wisdom and information. We we already know it on some level. So really my job in helping with the reading is to help the person to, to connect in with that message and that wisdom and to awaken it within themselves because they already have a connection to it. And so when you're in this space with people and you know maybe you've got access to a particular pattern um, from you know an ancestral lineage or or a past life that um, is, is still perhaps being played out in this life or you know still they're still in the cycle of it or um, haven't quite learnt the or like received the gold from it and are able to um, move through it yet. Um, what does it look like? Because I, I know and I have experience for myself that things can move very quickly and patterns can be like once you get it, it can really shift out of your life quite quickly. But then also in other times, um, there are certain patterns or beliefs that, that do require more time and more of your own 
um, experience in, in this particular physical life to really learn and integrate different aspects of, or, you know, have physical experiences with like maybe with particular people or um, situations until you can really grasp that particular thing and, and, and then mm -hmm. let it go. So it's, um, yeah, what's your experience been in that sense too, I guess, with clients, because some things are really ready to move and they just need that awareness or like, Oh, okay, cool. Got that. And then, and then it can, it can kind of click for someone and they can, um, you know, move through that and, and create new patterns in their life. But, um, yeah, like I said, particular things, you know, require maybe a longer timeline in this like physical <laughs> Um, mm -hmm. realm and and different experiences to really like integrate and then hopefully let go of of that particular pattern or um yeah what's your experience been with that like once you do make that connection in the akashic world um yeah how it kind of manifests for people in, in this physical um realm yeah yeah oh that's such a good question you know and also there's so many layers to that and uh, one of the things that I also see is that we might have a, an idea of what we want our timeline to look like, and then there's reality. <laughs> you know, there's the actual healing journey um, that can't be set on anybody's timeline. And so it's interesting because sometimes someone will have this pattern, maybe they already have understanding around it and they're wanting to receive certain um, information about it and not a lot comes through. And what I have interpreted in those moments is that they haven't done the work they're really supposed to in order to receive more information. You know, it's kind of like that choose your own adventure where you have to choose something then actually commit to doing it and then you'll get to the next stage and receive um you know it's like that treasure hunt and so i've had clients come and ask the same questions over and over and sometimes they'll get the same answers over and over and it's clear like you're you're not doing the work you know or you're not open to really receiving what this message is giving you so i think it's important to honor that you know, and honor like the healing process and that there is no timeline for it. You're not, you're never behind. You're not like on a, on a race to get to destination health. Like there's nothing like that. And it's, so it's really all about how you engage with your life experience and this deep inner work that you can do with the messages that are coming through of the Akashic records. Um, but yeah, in terms of patterns, and and sort of like these uh i i almost see it as like gears and like things that kind of clunk up the gear so it can't continue rotating and really discovering what are those things that are keeping us stuck what i have seen is that um information at least that comes through uh, in a reading with me they come in bits that the person is ready for and um, and then it's almost like that seed. It's a seed that's given and then it needs to be planted and given time and nourishment and love and attention and energy in order to grow and flourish. So 
that's how I see all of these bits of information that we're receiving from any modality, really, is that these are seeds to help support our garden of life and, and that we need to be the advocate of this garden. We need to be the steward and to water and tend to those seeds because those seeds well, they may be answering a question you have. They're not the answer. The answer comes with the life experience of incorporating that information and seeing what flourishes within your life. And so, yeah, whenever there's any questions around time around that, it's kind of like, well, you know, with your garden, like you can't rush a flower to bloom. You know, we have to have that that patience and that love and that openness and maybe that flower won't bloom in this lifetime in the way that you want it to. And that's also okay. You know, I think it's difficult for people to, especially if you've been in a healing journey for such a long time and you have chronic illness, that you so desperately want to, quote, heal and, and heal in that sense of like finding a cure or something. And as I had mentioned before, healing is really more about self-discovery than anything else. And, um, and so sometimes that's the most difficult piece to come to terms with is shifting our understanding of what healing means within my own life experience. And that could be part of one's soul path, you know, and, and like the message that they get in this lifetime. So yeah, it's different for everybody. I hope that answers your question. <laughs> Yeah, I I think it's a very, very, very potent and very important um, piece that I'm really happy that we're we're speaking about. Um, yeah, and one that yeah you've definitely experienced with clients and and also I'm sure like integrated within yourself. And um, yeah, I think that piece about not wanting to impose our own timeline on healing particular things too is like really poignant especially yeah in this like spiritual healing world and with all of these different modalities now that we have access to and um you know there's that kind of yeah like you said that haste or that rush around um having to be completely healed and you know like and and be in that kind of like oh, I'm, I'm always healing some something about myself I'm always in some sort of process and that kind of like spiral that people um, get into and um, mm. yeah really and it can you know like anything when you have a high expectation of of particular things then you get disappointed and you get disheartened and you get like impatient with um, with that you know with that process um, instead of I guess just embracing the journey of it and embracing like the different phases and yeah like you said too embracing um, the different points where you learn and, and grow in and integrate different aspects of that, you know, whether it is maybe a, a chronic illness or something like this, it's like, yeah, at different phases in your life, um, you're going to learn different, different things about that and um, experience it in different ways and have different experiences around it. And um, yeah, I, so I definitely, definitely am happy that we're, we're speaking about that because yeah, there really is no rush with, with this. And, um, I think, um, like you do, it's more about the process of listening and, um, yeah, just really like receiving what you need to, 
to know now and not having to know it all and not having to heal it all <laughs> just really um mm. yeah like because we we don't know with these logical minds um you know maybe we get a sense of particular things that we're here to like learn and experience but there's no way to to know the the timeline that you're here to experience in this particular lifetime and um, I think that's just a part of the fun and a part of the mystery of it. And p for me in particular, I wouldn't really want to know all of that because it would, you know, it would take that fun away from <laughs> this experience. And, um, I, yeah, so I'm sure you like agree too. It's just like that mystery is, you know, what keeps us going, I guess, and keeps us like driving forward towards some sort of unknown or some sort of like, yeah. <laughs> This, yeah. This new place. Yeah. <laughs> well, I I am not exempt from like I fall into that trap all the time where I am experiencing something and I'm like this again and you know sort of reaching for whatever I used in the past for as a healing modality or wanting to know the next thing and I think that my researcher mind kind of keeps me in that mode of of seeking and I see how you know the the how chronically searching and seeking will keep you chronically stuck in many ways and so one of the ways that i help myself with this is by really connecting in like you were speaking to to the elements and to nature and to wildness wherever you can find it um, we have wildness within us but very often it needs to be activated and obviously one of the best ways to do that is to connect with wildness and wild nature and to be outside and when we are able to do that that's when we can surrender. We can surrender to this process, to the unknown, to the mystery, the like sacred mystery that you're speaking about that cannot be rushed. And we can, we can have an understanding that we are actually held. We're held by Mama Earth. We're held by our guides by God, universe, you know, the cosmic intelligence, whatever you want to, whatever words you want to use for it. But um, we are not alone. And when we can connect with, with nature, that's one of the best ways to really activate that understanding within us that will then help us within this process of navigating what can be a really, really challenging health journey. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I guess that leads me into what I'd love to hear from you. And, and, and I'm really interested in like the origin stories of, of like projects and, um, and names. And I'd love to hear why you have called, well, you've got your, your website, which is called Wildly Rooted. And then your podcast is Feed Your Wild. I'd love to hear about yeah, why you chose those names and what they represent for you um, as a kind of foundation or a, a hub, I guess, for, for everything that you share in those spaces. I'd love to hear about that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't answered this question in a really, in like ages. And, but I think it's, I thank you for this opportunity because I think it's always special to kind of come back to these <laughs> origin stories and the namesakes because I really do believe they find you, you know, and I'm sure that you have also experienced that yourself. Uh, so 
with Wildly Rooted, that came to me one day as I was, I was like a mad woman on this whiteboard because I was just receiving inundated with all this information that I was not understanding. And so I had to map it out. I'm a very visual person. I was mapping it out on a whiteboard and I felt like a mad scientist just putting all these elements together. I'm like, what is this coming from? What does this all mean? And as I began to zoom out and really see the, the connections, I saw that at the root of it was this now this understanding I have of our wildness. And I really see that as um, our innate intelligence, the who we really are when we come embodied on this earth. And that health is about activating that and remembering that um, and bringing it to reality to existence in in its fullest form and what i also discovered is that that being rooted and actually grounded is medicine that i continue need to i continue to need to remember for myself um i so for example i don't have really any earth signs in my chart <laughs> i know that we all have all the signs but um i don't have any major planets or influences with earth signs in my chart i'm um lots of air and fire and a little bit of water i'm a sun cancer and so uh i'm i tend to be up in the clouds. I tend to um, go outside of my body. It's very easy for me to connect in that way. It's very difficult for me to be embodied <laughs> and here on this earth and connected. Um, and so this was also like a message of, it was a medicinal message for me that I needed to stay wildly rooted, that we can only express ourselves in our truest, wildest way when we are fully rooted in this embodiment and here on Mother Earth. And so that was a, such a huge aha moment for me. And it really was, that was the seed for a practice, a lifelong practice that I began of really making sure that I'm connected, I'm rooted, I ground myself so that I can be here fully to do this work. And, um, and that turned also out to be my life's work in helping others to be able to do the same with really nourishing their physical bodies and, and being here um, in their physical bodies so that they can express their dreams and their visions. And so that's Wildly Rooted. And then Feed Your Wild, which really is the, it's the namesake of my podcast, that came to me because once I started really incorporating all of this nourishment work together, uh, I was really looking at what I, I call the sacred ecology. It's sort of this concept of our life experience and all the different elements that um, that are within our life experience. So we have our inner ecology and our outer ecology. And in order to build this healthy wildness or expression of our wild, we need to nourish ourselves with the proper quote, foods, you know, and so that obviously could be the foods that are on your plate and that you build your cells with on a, in a very 
like real way, but it's also the foods that nourish our hearts, our minds, um, our spiritual selves, our soul selves, our energetic bodies, and that that is true holistic health. So that's how Feed Your Wild came about. And yeah, and so that's what the podcast really is all about too, is, is looking at, I'm speaking to people and I'm excited that you are also on the podcast too. So I encourage everybody to check out that episode with Chloe, but it's really speaking with, with people who embody that in their own work and in all the different ways, body, mind, spirit, seen and unseen realms. Mm, amazing. Yeah. It makes so much sense. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Where it's, yeah, on the surface, it can kind of um, just seem like a name that you chose, but it's really so many layers to it. And, and mm. obviously what we do with words and, and phrases and stuff is that, that spell casting and that um, intention setting. And I know, yeah, you definitely feel that too so yeah like I think we talked about it in our podcast together too when you interviewed me and I talked about yeah the origins of Mojo Mecca too and and how it just mm -hmm. keeps deepening in meaning um as the years go by and that project kind of keeps you know rolling along and having different offerings and um yeah it, it kind of just keeps cycling back to to deeper understandings about why you chose that particular name and what it's here to share and what it's here to teach you and um yeah so i love that it's yeah it's perfect <laughs> thanks and you know i also want to speak to how because i like for those who are maybe thinking of well i want a name or i'm seeking a name for what it is that i do or for my business or for my project or whatever and i remember being in that place of like i gotta have a good name i gotta you know and i i actually had many different names prior to receiving <laughs> the names that I feel like in this current moment are really serving me and serving my mission and my purpose. And that like nothing is static, everything is evolving. And so it's okay to feel like maybe you don't have the one that's quite holding that, you know, energetic vibration or meaning that you feel or sense in, in your body and your heart, but uh, that it'll, it'll come to you. It'll find you. And I just kind of want to speak to like the me that was me like 10 years ago <laughs> um, because I placed a lot of pressure on myself. And then I realized that uh, all that did was cause me more distress than anything else. Yeah, totally. And also just being open, I guess, to that, the changing phases too, and um, how the name of what you're doing is, you know, could change every year, <laughs> you know, if it wanted mm -hmm. to, um, if it needed to, you know, or like a different business could emerge or a different project or artistic pursuit or something. So it's, yeah, it's nothing is stagnant in that sense either. If you do have a particular brand that you really feels like outgrown its name or what it's offering, it's like, I feel like we're getting into more of that fluid and feminine sort of um, business model, which doesn't really align with, you know, certain um, ideals or like structures that have been um, built in that sort of like realm. And um, yeah, I'd love to hear how you kind of navigate the, um, I, got, I guess the more business and practical side of, of what you do and what you offer and um, 
yeah, if you want to speak to like the pricing and, you know, like your kind of sense of um, balance and exchange with what you do and um, how you have able, like have been able to really make that like a, a full-time career um, from, you know, because I guess it's it's an interesting dance of, you know, having something that's so close to your heart and like your soul work and and really like integrating that as a as a career so I'd love to hear about your experience with that too yeah oh I really enjoy this topic because um it's something that is very real for me and I and I also a lot of my clients are other practitioners or healers as well and so this is a very real thing and and you don't have to be a healer, right? You, like an artist, for example, I think you and I talked about this on my podcast and that when you start to place like monetary value on something that is created and birthed from you and that is your passion, it's, it's an interesting dance, as you had said. So, um, well, my career really started off like I didn't just jump ship right away when I started health coaching. I was doing that on the side for many years while I had uh, sort of nine to five, if you will. And I allowed myself to really, I allowed myself to do that and to build sort of a body of work and a clientele before I made the leap. And I actually share the details of this journey in a, in a solo podcast I had recently. Um, I could send you the link to that too, if anybody is interested in hearing the nitty gritty of some of that. Um, but so I allowed it to evolve and it was not a fast process. Like I, this is literally over years and years, right? Um, and so that was the other thing that I realized I was seeing other people that were seemingly the whole compared despair thing that were seemingly skyrocketing and getting super popular. And I was like, what the heck? Like I've been at this for so long. Um, and I realized that again, just like with the healing journey, like we are on our own timeline. We can't compare it with anybody else. And, and so really just honoring the process, honoring this work that's coming through in the timeline that it wants to as well, um, while also praying with our feet, right? Like being practical and doing the things, but just allowing space for things to grow um, in a sustainable way. So I did that by also holding like part-time jobs for a really long time. Uh, and eventually it turned into me doing this as a full-time job, but it looks I, it looks very different, you know, even two years ago than it was today. And so it's still ever evolving. Um, what I do today is I, the, prime, the majority of my work is one-on-one. -on -one. I do session by session. So I have what's called soul nutrition sessions, and that's combining the functional medicine and nutrition aspect along with Akashic records and the intuitive aspects. Um, I also offer just Akashic record readings. So without the nutrition component, although very often health elements come through the readings for people. And, and then I do uh, group work and programs. And and, um, and so I have one in January that's launching, and that one is actually specific to healers, coaches, health practitioners, and those who identify as, as healers. 
And so I do uh, group programs like that too. And I will also have like higher end one-on-one programs for people. So the, the spectrum of offerings really, you know, it's, it's very different. And so the pricing structure is also very different. That has also evolved over time. And that is still ever evolving as, as you know, you kind of get a sense of what feels right energetically as an exchange. Um, I don't like to see it as placing value on your work because all work is valuable. So I think it's a little dangerous, you know, when we start getting into language of like, well, how much is your work worth? Or how much would someone pay for that? I think those are the wrong questions to ask. I think better questions are, what feels really good for me as an energetic exchange right now that could look different in the future you know maybe it looks very different than even last week and that's where we have to do a lot of inner work too around like self-worth and just also being comfortable with offering um, things and having people pay for it i know that so many healers in particular and, and artists and creatives they would love, they would, they would do this work for free. I know I would, you know, and, and so, and like, especially around healing work, like it's almost like you feel bad about making people pay for it. But the reality is we live in a world where we need to monetarily support ourselves. And that's a very important piece to supporting our own needs so that we can actually exist and do the work that we do. So that's just one of the realities that we live in. And I'm really hoping to, uh, to also play around with and work in, a, in these other models of um, sharing gifts and, you know, whether it's like the gift economy or other ways that we can look at bringing our work that still maintains that energetic exchange that we're comfortable with, but maybe allows um, more access to people who don't have the actual money. So those are things that I'm experimenting with right now. Um, and I would love to hear from anybody who's actually doing that kind of process and work and or is participating in gift economy. I'm like really interested and open to all of that. But uh, to balance that out, I offer a ton of free stuff. <laughs> like I give, I give so much for free and it feels good. I don't do it to a level of detriment, like detrimental um, to detriment in terms of my energy exchange. Like I don't feel depleted. I only offer when I really feel um, really good about that energetic gift out into the world and that I have the energy reserves to actually do it. So I have uh, free programs that I offer. I have like a six module program. Um, I have like free PDFs. I, I offer the podcast weekly, you know, and that's content that's free. I don't have any sponsors for that. So I just make sure that whatever I'm offering that's quote free, there, there is this, um, it's coming from a beautiful place of fulfillment. Like I am full of love and I'm able to give. And I'm not expecting anything in return. So that's really part of sort of that gift economy um, consciousness, if you will. And then, of course, I have to pay my electricity bill. 
<laughs> and my phone bill. And so I have these deeper offerings that are more one-on-one um, or a longer journey, a deeper journey with me that people actually pay for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really love your perspective on all of that. And um, yeah, I'm definitely take a lot of that to heart for myself too in just finding that balance between yeah the free offerings and then um yeah what's feeding you I guess too <laughs> um in your in your daily life and in all the stuff that we need to pay for in this world <laughs> um yeah so I really appreciate that and I'm sure a lot of other people will really resonate with that too and yeah, like we said before, it's just kind of like that new model of, of business and finding how it works for you particularly. Um, yeah, especially when you're doing work that's a bit more of the spiritual kind or the alternative kind. Um, yeah, because I guess, yeah, we're just seen to have in regular society, there's like a standard hourly rate or, you know, these sort of mm-hmm. things that um, most people like go within the guidelines of. So this sort of work and um, sessions and offerings, are, yeah, they're a lot more like fluid in, in what actually feels right for that particular person to charge. Um, so yeah. So it's definitely more of an internal process and um yeah, like we spoke to in, in when I was talking on your podcast about like the aspect of like self-worth and worthiness and how much you do feel your time and energy is, is worth and your offerings are worth. So yeah, mm-hmm. there's a lot of different elements in there, but I feel like you seem to have a really beautiful um, balance and have really, you know, over the years kind of honed it in and um, worked out what does work for you. Um, yeah, so I appreciate you like sharing that process. I'm sure a lot of other people will resonate. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not, you know, perfect by any means, right? And it's always in fluctuation. And um and I do extra work too outside of my private practice where I'm a nutrition consultant and like I'm part of a study with a clinic that's um working with a a study looking at Alzheimer's and cognitive decline. And so I'm doing more science-based work with that. But everything that I, and I'm also like teaching at an ERP school, but everything that I'm, I'm doing, I think it's important for people to also really look at what, what are these opportunities and how are they really um, allowing you to fulfill your mission? Like, are they aligned and do you have the energy for it? And I think asking those questions allow us to be in that state of, you know, giving an empowered yes or no versus coming from a place of scarcity or, you know, that, I need to do this because I'm not seeing maybe the the money flow that I want to see in this one particular area of my life. Um, yeah, so I think that we always have to keep alignment as as one of the pillars in our work. And sometimes that could be really hard. But yeah, so it's not you know it looks very different. And definitely, I don't practice it perfectly, but but I do try. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Yeah, amazing. You do like monthly Akashic readings and messages. I'd love to hear about that offering too and, and what people can, yeah, tap into when they, when they listen to those episodes. 
alongside yeah. the interviews too. But um, yeah, the monthly the monthly readings. I'd love to hear a bit more about those. Yeah, those really started off. I well, you know, so I have a practice where I open my own records, and that's part of my meditative practice. And and I'll ask questions and ask for guidance, and I'll receive information about you know like ideas of things to try or incorporate. And so this came through in one of my readings that I was to do readings, monthly Akashic readings in service to the collective, whoever was tuning into these episodes in my podcast. And so it was really weaving in sort of the, like the Akashic record work that I do with clients one-on-one, but more on a collective level. And it was, it was interesting because, you know, Every time we're at our growth edge or, you know, there's something that we haven't done before and we can feel a little bit of fear or hesitation or judgment around it. So I was feeling all the things when I began that that process, but I'm the type of person that I'll feel it and I'll do it anyway. Like I have no problem being really scared and really judgmental about something, but I'll do it anyway. <laughs> I know not everybody's like that, but um, I feel... I feel like that has served me really well and not so well sometimes, but, um, but it has served me really well. So this was one of those instances and, and I just started to tune in and tap into receive messages for the collective on a monthly basis through the Akashic Records. And what has been so profound for me is like the, the lessons that I'm receiving from those, you know, and hearing it and, um, and what I'm seeing is over time, I think I, I think I started it last year. So there might be a full year of them now. Um, but they weave together. They're not, you can listen to them in isolation, but you can listen to the one from last year and still receive messages and insights that pertain to you in this journey. So that's been a discovery that's been pretty uh, fascinating for me and really encourages me to continue to do these readings and that offering. So I do offer that on the podcast. And then as you mentioned, I also, of course, interview amazing people like yourself um, every week. And so it spans the spectrum from scientists, teachers, practitioners, guides, um, experts in, in their various fields. But really the through line is focusing on all, all of the aspects that nourish ourselves, really talking about um, rewilding and on, on all levels, you know, not just physically and here on earth and really looking at, for example, regenerative farming practices and the way that we eat, but also rewilding our souls and our hearts and what are the ways that we can get unstuck? What are the ways that we can deal with overwhelm? you know, what are the ways we can boost our intuition and all the various kinds of practices and tools. I'm all about uplifting other people. And, and I, I was doing these, these interviews before I even had a podcast or even knew what a podcast was. (laughs) I just wanted to connect with people and to learn from them. And I know that you feel the same way, Chloe. I'm sure you're like, you know, that's kind of what got you there too. 
But I was finding that they had so many amazing things to say. I wanted to tell the world. And so that's what seeded the, the Feed Your Wild podcast. And so we do that. And then I also do um, moon musings. They're called hashtag unfiltered moon musings, where myself and my co-host, Megan Liebman, who is a holistic a functional nutritionist and herbalist, we dive into the new and full moon influences. And we while we speak to the cosmic and energetic influences of it, we also look at it pertaining to our health and body. So um, if you're into that, I would definitely check out the moon musings as well. Mm, amazing. Yeah, it's been an interesting dance for me in terms of um, working out what works best for um my body in terms of actually just on a physical level like in terms of nutrition and in terms of um what i i i fuel myself with and i know a lot of other people have this um similar experience too especially if you're of sensitive kind of mind and body and <laughs> make mm. yourself more increasingly sensitive through the years as you kind of tune in and <laughs> um it's an interesting like it's been very yeah an interesting journey for me in that sense too. And um, yeah, I'd love to hear perhaps like a perspective on, on how you see nutrition um, as it kind of pertains to, to individuals, because um, for me personally, I had a particular idea about, you know, how I wanted to eat and I chose to be vegan and um, I, you know, really chose to do that for a few years and, and really tried to make it work. And, you know, obviously from an ethical standpoint, it made sense and, and all of these things. And it did, it did help my health in, in, in the first maybe year or two, but then I, I noticed a decline kind of happened and, and I see this similar pattern happen for a lot of other people. And, um, for me, it was a, a very big awakening to realize that I could not be that, like I could not hold that label or eat in that way. And it was not, sustainable for me on a long-term basis for my health and for my sense of energy. And, um, so now I'm, you know, not really anything <laughs> particularly. Um, I, I choose to have, um, animal protein at certain points and, um, small amounts of dairy and it's, yeah, that, that in itself has been a, a big kind of, um, lesson and awakening process for me to, to let go of that control and that, that label around that, um, as I've seen it, you know, connected to a relationship that I've, that I've had with food that has been more controlling, um, you know, and, and it was that similar pattern that I just, you know, fed into the, the label, I guess, of veganism. Um, mm -hmm. I guess that's a kind of roundabout way of asking, um, like how you perceive, um, nutrition and, and, um, the many like layers of that. And, um, yeah, because I know a lot of people are, are really confused in this day and age of, you know, with so much information out there on what's good, what's bad, what's, you know, like, and so much conflicting information too. And um, yeah, I'm interested how you see that whole um, journey and experience and um, yeah, for, for individuals. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> this is an entire podcast, by the I way, know, episode, because I have so much to say about this. Um, and I'll try to distill it to, 
you know, its essence of kind of my conclusion. I think one of the biggest detriments that we have, um, that we've really created uh, as a global culture is diet dogma. And um, applying certain sort of like beliefs and value systems around diet and nutrition. What I have seen clinically and in my own personal experience, so I, I've literally done every single diet except for the carnivore diet because at this point when I you know, learned about it a few years ago, I was like, nah, I'm straight. I don't need to do the carnivore diet because I like to experiment with my own body as well, but also to understand, to understand so that when I'm recommending something for a client, I have an embodied experience and I understand what they're going through. So um, I was vegan for a very long time. I was raw vegan for like two years. Um, you know, I was paleo, I was keto, I was all these different things. And what I see in myself and working with like hundreds of people is that not only are, do we have bio-individuality and differences at that level, we also have cycles and seasons of our lives. And I think, um, you know, the ancient traditions like traditional Chinese medicine, Ayurveda, what they held this wisdom that we are living beings that are ever changing and that we have these cycles and seasons. And so what might have worked for you two years ago might not work for you today. And there's a lot of reasons for that. And part of my job is to help someone, to help someone identify why and what might be helpful for them today. Um, so when it comes to, you know, really looking at which diet is best, I think that one of the cha most challenging things that for most people that we need to do is set aside our beliefs about a certain diet and really start listening to what our body is asking for. And I think one of the things that we have done in this modern world is stifle and silence that communication with our bodies. And so the, that's where I am really interested in. And that's where I put my focus is building that intuitive connection to your body. Your body is constantly, always sending you messages. There is not a moment when your body is not telling you something. And so it's really about building an understanding and, and that bridge of communication again, which we innately had. I love to cite this one study. It was done back in the 1930s, I think 1939. It was done by this researcher, Clara Marie Davis. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the, the title of the study is called The Self-Selection of Diets by Young Children. And in this study, I don't think that they would do it anymore because it's like the longest study ever done on humans. It was done on, um, it was a six-year study performed on orphans in an orphanage. Basically, they had these, uh, these children that were weaned from breast milk and that they would present with like, I think it was like around 34 different foods. Granted, this was the 1930s, so there wasn't as much processed foods, right? 
Um, so they were whole foods that these kids were presented with, everything ranging from, you know, like plant-based vegetables, fruit to animal products, liver, milk, um, and then like cod liver oil, just a whole bunch of stuff. There's, you can actually Google it and see the, the list of foods. What was fascinating is that um, these children, they were not given any direction on what foods to choose. But these babies, they were literally babies. They consistently chose the foods that served their bodies at that time. For example, there were some kids that were anemic. Those children chose the foods that were higher in iron and foods that made that iron bioavailable. So for example, this one kid would choose the combination of liver and orange juice. Well, we know that vitamin C, which is you know chock full, orange juice is chock full of vitamin C, enhances the absorption of iron of iron in our bodies, and liver is a really great source of that. There's other children that had rickets, and they would choose foods that you know were maybe enhanced with vitamin D. It was just fascinating to see that these kids. didn't have any formal education, clearly, didn't have any um, prior belief systems about foods, and they were able to allow their bodies to tell them what foods would be best for them at that particular time. And we all have this ability. We are born with this. The problem is that we are living in a world where Number one, like healthy whole food choices are made really difficult <laughs> to access for many people, which is a very, very sad thing. Um, the integrity of our food and you know, the agricultural system, don't even get me started on that, right? Um, and also marketing and belief systems with your family. Like if you have a mother who's telling you that that food is dangerous or bad or who has, you know, a, a challenging relationship with food, your that's going to influence your decision-making process around foods. Or the marketing industry and big ag that spend millions, trillions of dollars on advertisements for various foods. And then you have movies, like for example, this latest one, Game Changers. There's a million of those movies that come out and they're all telling you that the science says a specific thing. Well, let me tell you, I look at the science and you can find science to back up any diet, any diet. So really look at it. That's a whole nother conversation too. So my point is what we really need to focus on is not what diet is right for me. It's how can I communicate and listen to my body, reestablish that intuitive connection so that I don't have to think about what I eat anymore or judge it. I just know and I can honor it. And then my body energetically receives it and is able to utilize that food. So that's what I'm really interested in. I think you can hear the passion in my voice. (laughs) But that's why I'm so interested in the intuitive process and really cultivating that natural rhythm and connection to nature to activate that wildness and that inner healer that we already have inside of us. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I'm so happy that I asked you about this because, and I'm so happy that it's, it, that it's going to be a part of this conversation because 
I completely resonate and it's been my direct experience over the last year of really undoing that, that kind of um, particular way of being or eating or that attachment to that belief system. And like you said, there is, there's so much out there that can prove any particular diet is, is good and is right for you. But um, yeah, until you have that direct experience of how, a particular food makes you feel on that particular day and and um yeah and and just following that as a thread rather than any other external chatter is is kind of is definitely the way forward i think and i know and have seen you know a lot of people come to that realization in their paths and i i definitely hope and pray more people do because i know yeah diet culture is still really rife and is causing more damage than good <laughs> definitely um mm. and like you say there is there's a whole deeper layer to it um that we're missing which is that that you know that we have had from the beginning of time and now we don't really have as much obviously in in our built-up culture which is that direct connection to what's coming out of the ground and direct connection to um you know, the animals that, that people eat and, and this sort of thing and, and to that web of life. Um, so it, I can understand the confusion because, you know, we don't have that like direct connection anymore. But like you say, like that, it, it's always a possibility and we can always like continue to strengthen that thread and that connection again to our body's like innate messages and, and, um, what we do really need. So yeah, I definitely, um, yeah, I definitely feel like people will, will, will resonate with that. And, um, yeah, I'm really happy that you shared that. And, um, just to kind of bring it back home, I guess, like how, how do you, um, through the work that you do marry, cause it sounds very, um, similar to obviously the space that, that you're in with the Akashic, um, records and and how do you marry those two together in the offerings that you um, share with people yeah well it's interesting because um i think like how it comes through when i'm working with someone depends on the person and what wants to come through or needs to come through so but structurally uh, in a session if, for example, if we're taking a soul nutrition session, which combines the two, we will open up the records in the beginning so that they're always open throughout the entire process. So that allows for information to come through at any point in time. But then we'll spend the first half really diving into the assessment of their health, of their diet, of their like history um, in life. So we're really going deep and tracking back. Like I'm interested in, I'm obviously like even quote past lives, right? So we're going real far back, but even in utero, like prenatal, your, your ancestral lineage, looking at um, where you come from, what foods was your mom eating? You know, how was her health? Your grandma, because we now know that you, when your mom was a fetus in your grandmother, you 
were an egg in that fetus. So you essentially were in your grandmother's body at some point. And not only that, but we're also carrying things through this, through generations. So I'm really interested in assessing all of that and really getting um, practical data points and understandings for that. So we'll spend the first half on that. And naturally, as we kind of dive into that story, because it's, it's all about our story that we're living, Elements in the Akashics will come through. So we'll gain certain understandings around things that we're talking about on that more practical realm. And then we'll open up for questions that the person has um, that they want to inquire with the records. So the second half is really dedicated to opening up that space and asking those questions. And of course, nothing is linear. So, you know, we might find ourselves then talking about um, health systems and organ systems or diet, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about, you know, this past life influence or this energetic imprint, but it all kind of weaves together. And it's really guided by the intention of the person who is showing up. What is it that they want to know. Why are they there? Where do they want to go? And those are the things that are going to influence the information that we really tap into and sort of, you know, discover as we're journeying through this process together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. I think it's such a beautiful marriage and um, yeah, a really unique offering too. I mean, I've never, I've never heard of those two being bridged together, but it just is kind of a testament to you and. Um, your own um, path and, and really following that, that natural intuition towards like what is most inspiring to you. And then you've, you've just naturally found a way to, to merge them together and, and offer them. Um, yeah. So I think it's so beautiful and um, I'm really happy to have like been diving deeper into it with you. Oh, thank you so much for this opportunity. I love, I could talk to you for hours. <laughs> I mean, we literally have, cause we were talking on my podcast too, but yeah. So it's just, you have such a lovely energy that allows for this open conversation. And I think that's why your work and, and your podcast and, and like the video series that you do are so beneficial to so many people because you have this ability to hold space and, and to invite these kinds of conversations. So thank you for the work that you're doing. I'm really, yeah, thanks for those words. I, yeah, I feel the same with you and it's been such a pleasure to, to open up this space with you and to, to just connect um, with everything that you're doing. And uh, I just, yeah, like I said before, just really completely resonate and, um, yeah, you've really inspired me to tap more into the Akashic realm too. And um, yeah, and to probably have a session with you too. I'd love to do that. Um, yeah, so do you want to share a little bit before we kind of close on just just maybe like, yeah, practically um, how people can connect to you, your website, your um, podcast, your any other social media um, accounts that people can connect to you on? Yeah, totally. So all the things can be found at wildlyrooted.com. That's my website and sort of the hub where everything uh, stems from. And I can be found on Instagram where I'm most active 
at Wildly Rooted is my handle. Uh, the podcast, you'll find that at wildlyrooted.com forward slash podcast. But um, as I mentioned, you can find that really just search in whatever podcast app you're, you're using for Feed Your Wild. And I'm also offering a, a free program that I'd mentioned before. It's a six-module audio program, and it's all about getting unstuck in terms of your health journey, getting out of your own way, um, and mastering what we might call the mindset of health. So really understanding what are the things that might be sabotaging us on this health journey, and um, how what are some ways that we can really help support ourselves in breaking through these chronic challenges or patterns that we've been holding? So that's available uh, at wildlyrooted.com forward slash unstuck. It's totally free. And yeah, I have a bunch of other free offerings too. If anybody wants to check those out, those are all on my website. And um, yeah, and if you have any questions, I answer direct messages. I answer emails. I'm really open to communication. So feel free to reach out if you have any questions. Mm, amazing. Well, yeah, thank you so much for um, this podcast swap. <laughs> it's really cool. I really love it. And then because there's just so much. Yeah, I mean, we could do another another swap again and go deeper into <laughs> more and more. I know so many yeah because I feel like on this one we went you know I would I would have loved to to dove even more deeper into um, nutrition with you as I know that's like you know a huge part of your life but it kind of did take the slant I guess more of um, the Akashic realm and and um, those particular like patterns and healing those and um, I really loved the pieces that we shared about the timelines of of healing and I think obviously that does resonate with mm. physical and the nutritional stuff too so there's a lot of really juicy stuff in here and I, I'm really excited to put it out there <laughs> me too yeah thank you for this opportunity Chloe so great <laughs>